everyone, I'm Mike Ward and uh, welcome to Conversations in Healthcare, a series brought to you by DRG, part of Clarivate. This is uh, an opportunity for us to uh, hear at first hand the, sort of the challenges and opportunities that are facing the, the, the healthcare uh, industry and how business leaders uh, in the sector are managing them and particularly you know, when events have you know, forced a rethink in, in, in priorities uh, of um, company strategy. So uh, in line with this, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Brian Witherby, uh, who is president and CEO of Adaza Biosystems. Uh, this is a private biosensor assay instrument company, uh, which is based in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, which is servicing uh, life science, uh, research, drug development, and in vitro diagnostics clients. Uh, earlier this year, Adaza raised uh, $25 million in a, a Series D round, uh, and that was to support uh, the full commercialization of uh, an automated uh, biological platform, Ziva. Um, and that, is, uh, that platform exists to, to, to help academic and, and clinical researchers uh, quickly identify inflammation, cardiovascular and oncology uh, biomarkers for disease profiling and uh, drug development. Uh, then obviously came along uh, COVID-19 uh, and disrupted that plan. So um, Brian, uh, I hope you and those that you care about are all keeping well and, and thanks so much for, for, for joining me. Mike, uh, thanks. Delighted to be here with you and likewise I hope you and those that you care about have been able to remain safe. Yeah, everything's uh, good, uh, given, given the circumstances. Um, so uh, first, I, I would like to, you know, it would be helpful, I think, if you could sort of, you know, describe the challenges researchers, you know, face that, that the, the Ziva uh, platform actually addresses and, uh, you know, how it can actually help them. Yeah, I, I think as a scientist or a researcher, our desire you know, through our work is to help humankind and finding a solution to a problem, you know, and really our moonshot as scientists is, you know, helping to solve a disease. And that's what really drives us. And with the Ziva platform, you know, we can do our part to help researchers by providing this platform that delivers a comprehensive, high definition protein biomarker profile of disease. And this, uh, and then provide also the ability to track any of those changes that are happening based on efforts to attenuate the disease, whether it's by a therapeutic or a lifestyle change, such as diet or exercise. I think the genomics revolution, which was really led by high-throughput sequencing, um, helped provide large amounts of data about a person's genetic makeup, right? Um, biomarkers are the outcome of that. Biomarkers are how the body takes that genetic information, uh, turns it around, and the systems biology part of that is when things don't work or things are broke, or things need help, um, those biomarkers are our hints to tell us what's happening. And so by being able to really identify those different biomarkers, we can see how disease has affected our body and then how different treatments and stuff affect that. And that's extremely important to researchers. And I think, you know, if we are going to deliver on personalized or precision medicine, as it's defined, we're going to be able to have to take that genetic information and start to really couple it with phenotype, which is the protein, the biomarker information. Um, once we can really start to put together those um, combinations and looking at the relationships between them, we're going to be able to do a lot to help 
direct researchers on how to um, treat disease or to build uh, different therapeutics to treat disease. And that is really where, you know, I think our heart is at Adarza in terms of where we see the Ziva platform is hopefully um, continuing with uh, some of that um, protein, protein uh, evolution and being able to put as much biomarker data and how, as much phenotype with genotype. So that, that's really where I see this being important for researchers. And then, you know, as you get past the researchers, it's the clinicians, you know, giving information to your doctors, to physicians, to be able to make the best decisions for, for patients. So, so, so there's a plan that it actually would almost like provide your know, sort of real-time information so you can actually sort of track, you know, how a particular therapeutic approach or some other sort of intervention is actually helping improve the, the patient's um, uh, condition? Yeah, I think that's the diagnostic part of this. I think early on, there's the research component of it as researchers are looking for new drugs and looking for um, new therapeutics or new changes that uh, wanting to be able to follow. Um, we know a little bit about this disease in terms of how genetics happens, what's happening once uh, the, it's in a body and how different uh, therapeutics or lifestyle changes affect it, um, be able to measure that and understand whether or not it's being effective or not. Right, right. So, I mean, looking at sort of the company's history, uh, it looks like you know getting Ziva out of the door has not been uh, an easy task, uh, given the fact that there were plans in place, you know, for a 2012 launch and a 2015 launch. Um, what were the holdups then? I think the interesting thing about Adarza's technology is that it's always been very promising. Um, the, the part is, is in the earlier efforts, I think part of um, a lot of opportunity around, boy, we really need to prove out this concept, right? The, the other part that's important with any new technology is that it's got to be in a, in a format that actually makes researchers' lives easier or delivers something that they can't currently do. And I think that uh, the earlier efforts wasn't in a, in a format that would allow researchers to really uh, take advantage of where the technology is. So I, I joined Adars in 2017. And part of this is we really wanted to build off of that core that was done you know, with the things you had said in terms of 2012, 2015, um, where the founders had taken the technology to a certain point in terms of proof of concept. But it was not in a format that users, researchers, clinicians, et cetera, were gonna be able to use and be able to use well. And so a lot of the effort uh, since 2017 is we had an opportunity to bring in a lot of talented people with experience in delivering these type of technologies. And so we did a lot of the things that uh, needed to be done in terms of listening to what the customers, the voice of customer, um, understanding what is, you know, what was lacking in terms of the current tools and was able to kind of build that into our design. And that's what we has been kind of going on for the last couple of years is we basically took a technology that was extremely uh, promising and interesting and then put it into a package that was going to be uh, readily usable by researchers and, uh, and clinicians, et cetera. And, and the whole idea there is the, just what we talked about earlier. We want to deliver more data to the researcher and the clinicians. We want to do it so that it doesn't take them much effort. So we needed to make sure that the package that we're delivering in terms of um, how the how the person took us a biological sample, um, uh, put it into our technology, and most importantly, get data back, right? And so that's really been the effort for the last few years. And delivering new technology is never easy. Um, it's just uh, I think uh, part of it is is 
uh, taking a lot of the experience that a lot of the team that we've built had and being able to package this together so that we're in a place where what we are delivering now to the scientific community, I think is going to be well received. Right. So, so you raised the $25 million. Uh, you know, as I say, it was a series D uh, investment. You know, and essentially that was to support the launch uh, of the platform. Um, and that was sort of back in June uh, that that was um, uh, you know, meant to take place. Could you outline what the commercialization plan would have looked like if you'd been able to do that uh, because obviously you were affected by COVID. Yeah. So I think, you know, we had expectations of really starting our early adopter program um, based on an introduction of the technology at a couple of key meetings in May and June. One was uh, AAI, which is the American Association in Immunology, and then uh, AACR, which is the American Association of uh, Cancer Researchers. Um, both of those were kind of key uh, meetings where we we're going to introduce the technology, show some of the earlier work, and really start to fill out our early adopter plan, right? And then with the idea that there's some key meetings that were going to come up in the fall where we could really do our full launch. Um, you know, we've had to delay that plan a little bit, obviously, because of COVID. And, you know, because mainly because some of our partners had to close and several of our potential early adopters were in shutdown or had to close their labs. The labs have begun to open up and, you know, um, with a lot of those, though, a lot of them are very focused on COVID-19. We're still very wary of bringing everybody back to work into the workplace. Um, the, the, true, the same is true of labs. You know, uh, they're bringing back people on uh, different schedules and trying to get work done. But a lot of it's really focused on the current pandemic. Um, you know, I, I think we're continuing to move forward with our plan. It's just, yeah, it's delayed. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, so, the, you know, the COVID-19, I mean, sort of, you know, it being disruptive, uh, you know, it's clear that's happened right away across the board. I was just sort of thinking that, you know, when you sort of you know, saw, you know, sort of what the sort of potential of the pandemic was going to do and that disruption, what, what were the discussions that were taking place at, at, at the board level, um, you know, to actually, you know, respond to, to, to that, that challenge? You know, this is interesting because our, our board meetings kind of um, bordered around the COVID piece. Uh, our first one was in February before things had really gotten full blown. And we did have a discussion there of, you know, boy, is this thing going to be big or not? And at that time, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, you know, this is going to be like the flu. It'll be here and gone. You know, um, there were some of us that were really worried about it. And we did talk a little bit about that, but we just didn't have enough information at the time. I think the, as it did start to um, fully, you know, uh, be present in the United States, you know, one of the things we first had to do with the stay-at-home orders and everything else, I think our number one responsibility was to make sure that we kept everyone safe in terms of, you know, um, doing the things that we all had to do, minimize numbers in the lab. Um, you know, we tried to keep the work going by working shifts, um, but we also knew that there was an opportunity there. And, you know, opportunity and challenge is one of those things that as a startup um, really excites your folks and it is something that drives us anyway. But uh, we knew we had an opportunity to use the Ziva technology for COVID-19 research as well. Um, one of our co-founders, Ben Miller, who's a professor at the University of Rochester, had been using the AIR technology in, in the earlier iterations of this um, to really look at uh, flu serology. 
and one of the things that his group had done at the University of Rochester as part of an NIH uh, group was look at uh, the previous year in 2019 had looked at what if there was a flu pandemic? What resources as a nation do we have to go after and really identify what the pandemic is and how do we operate? Um, that exercise in 2019 was really kind of an opening into, um, you know, here's how this could be used. Um, we saw that and kind of started to talk through that internally and just said, you know what, there's an opportunity for us to help. And, you know, one of the tough things about a pandemic like this is that sometimes it's a, a passing freight train, right? It's going through pretty quickly. Um, hopefully it comes and goes, but obviously in this case, it's not been the case. And so um, you start to weigh your opportunities and you have those discussions of, you know, what is the realistic uh, ability of us to help? Um, definitely not on the diagnostic side. We didn't have enough platforms out there to help, even though our tool, you know, a lot of the early discussion around serology and false negatives and stuff like that, we knew our high definition approach could really help and rule out those. The ability to look across uh, many different variants of the COVID-19 protein, um, to look at uh, what someone's response was to other circulating coronaviruses. Um, we knew we had a strong uh, tool. It's just that we didn't have the install base to really be effective and definitely not as diagnostic. And we could have spent a lot of effort um, pushing and getting emergency use authorization, but I don't think that's where the value is. And I think our board, we talked about it, our value is more in demonstrating the technology and then being able to utilize it now um, especially now that the pandemic has gone on and we're learning more and more about the virus and then its effect on the body. So kind of what we talked about earlier of, boy, here's this disease state. How do we know what's going on? And so this is where researchers will want to start to not only track what's going on in terms of COVID-19 infection and so on, but I think it's going to have longer implications in terms of drug trials and uh, um, uh, overall health is understanding what your COVID status is or was, and then as we get a vaccines, you know, how well protected are you? And, you know, we'll, we'll start to understand more of that. But I do think that uh, the value of our tool is going to be even more realized as we start to dig in and do more research around COVID. And then as, the, as we go on and understand, is this going to be like the flu? Are we always going to need a COVID shot or something? And, um, you know, how do we, how, what are the long-term effect on cardiovascular disease? We know inflammation from this disease is causing all kinds of problems in different areas. Um, that's where we think we have a lot of value for researchers and we'll start to couple our COVID panel and our infectious disease panels with the ability we have for other biomarkers, particularly cytokines and uh, chemokines around inflammation. So uh, you mentioned that you were in the fortunate position that you know, Dr. Miller had actually kind of looked at sort of, your, uh, sort of a related area, so therefore, you weren't completely unprepared, uh, even though you weren't necessarily expecting to, uh, I guess, use that. What did you have to do, though, to sort of reconfigure to actually uh, almost reposition Ziva as a platform that's going to be able to help you know, the COVID-19 researchers? Yeah, so infectious disease was always on our product roadmap, but it wasn't something we were going to start in earnest until 2021. You know, we had done several proof of concept projects related to autoantibodies uh, generated during on in oncology um, and other infectious disease. Um, you know, we knew it was something, it just wasn't an area of focus because quite honestly, the market wasn't huge for that. 
um, you know, the better introduction was going to be around some of these cytokines and chemokines and inflammation. Um, in terms of reconfiguration for Ziva, luckily, you know, we had experience with this. We had done several proof of concept projects. We had uh, actually even had, we have a couple of collaborators that are looking at the mixture of cytokines, uh, inflammation markers, biomarkers, with um, autoantibodies generated during uh, cancer, oncology, oncology drugs, uh, et cetera. And so, you know, in terms of reconfiguration, it really was, you know, the biggest challenge was getting the different proteins in to be able to uh, apply to our platform. One of the beauties of our technology is that we can quickly um, put on new, uh, new content onto our, onto our Ziva uh, platform. Um, it's something that uh, was really part of that challenge during that being able to deliver something to customers that um, we've been working on for the last few years is the ability to quickly adapt, add new content. And, you know, we feel this is important for researchers because new things are being discovered all the time. And then we want to research them and being able to add that quickly to content we already have was really important to how we feel like we could differentiate ourselves from other technologies out there was the ability to kind of quickly add new material. So it really kind of um, launched into our overall plan and kind of said, okay, let's quickly get the COVID proteins that we can so that we can apply this to our technology. And let's see how quickly we can turn um, and get a serology test put in place. And actually, the beauty of this is, you know, after procuring the proteins, which was probably the longer part of this, because everybody was after these, right? Um, we were able to put together a chip that was working and giving us strong answers within a week. You know, and this is, you know, really a testament to the team we have here. We kind of um, fit it in, kind of made it part of our workflow, added it, you know, during a time where we were low staff and other things, but uh, we're able to quickly do it. And as soon as, uh, you know, you see your first results and see, oh, wow, look, we're definitely getting the response we expected. Um, we had COVID samples coming in that we were looking at and kind of saying, okay, this compared to pre-COVID, you know, we knew we had uh, something right away that was working well. And it was just a matter of, okay, let's make sure we do all the other things we need to do. And then we need to have other people test it. Right. So, so what's, what has been the sort of the, the, the sort of the plan or the program to roll out, you know, that sort of that COVID-19 focused um, application of the Ziva platform? Yeah, so very similar. So this is just like uh, we've fast forwarded now um, basically what's part of our product pipeline. And so we're in the midst of we have researchers that are doing research now in terms of follow up studies. Um, they'll, you know, put out uh, hopefully, uh, you know, peer reviewed papers. We'll also em employ that as part of this. And then at the same time, we're launching the product with the instrument. Um, it's out. It uh, will be uh, released here um, to the general public very quickly. And, you know, we're uh, actually, it's uh, this month, uh, we're in the midst of getting this uh, uh, in place for the public to purchase and to start to see results from it. Um, we'll continue to find, uh, you know, good uh, research projects with researchers out there that are studying this disease. And I think our main thing, like I said earlier, is that you, you know, as a scientist and as a technology developer, we want to be part of helping to solve these problems, right? This is, uh, COVID is definitely being uh, looked at by everyone and everywhere. And because of that effort, you know, we'll find um, solutions to this. I think the other thing is that it's the next phase of this that we feel like we can really be a big part of is 
um, doing everything that we can in terms of surveillance to prevent this from happening again or to be well prepared for it, right? And so, you know, this is where um, the Ziva platform, because of it, can uh, very quickly be refocused. Part of what's on our COVID panel is also influenza proteins. And the latest flu vaccine came out, and we were able to quickly add those new flu, flu uh, proteins uh, for what they're expecting to be part of the flu season this year. Um, so now we can analyze not only the coronavirus responses, but also for the new flu uh, influenza A and B that, you know, is expected to hit the population here in the northern hemisphere in the next few months. So um, I think all of this is, you know, important and it's going to be a refocus for a lot of uh, the research community is to, you know, be better prepared for when a pandemic does strike that we're have a good understanding of it and that, uh, you know, we're prepared to battle this better than what we did this this time. So, so, so what's the sort of, you know, the sort of commercial model? Is it that you, you sell instruments or is it that you make the money on the consumables that you would then put into those instruments, depending on yeah, what your focus it's, is? It's definitely, the, it's definitely the razor razor blade model. So the instrument is small part of it, but really it's the content that comes out in terms of the, the consumable that comes with the instrument. And those are what, you know, um, allows for the high definition. So part of the technology allows us to look at hundreds of biomarkers at once. And so as we kind of start to um, roll this, it's really looking at a researcher taking their biological samples, being able to apply it to that razor blade of our, our chip. The Ziva platform itself, part of what I was saying, we wanted to make it very user-friendly. They add their samples, they add it to Ziva. Ziva gives the data out. And that's probably really the most important part of this is that, you know, we wanted to make it easy on researchers to get their data so they can hopefully make the bigger decisions on, you know, are we being effective in our treatments? Uh, are we seeing the progression of disease? So that, that part is, um, and as we add more content, the instrument won't change. And the beauty of kind of the way we designed this is that it kind of uh, goes through that, uh, what, I, what we kind of describe as the, uh, testing funnel for biomarkers, the biomarker continuum, right? So in the early stages of drug or disease discovery, you want to look at a lot of biomarkers. And as your focus gets closer and closer to clinic with either a treatment or a disease, the number of biomarkers that you really need to look at maybe gets less and less that are really pinpointing where your treatment is going. Um, I think one of the things that has plagued pharmaceutical developers in the past is that as they've gone through that continuum, um, they've had to change platforms or they've had to change um, their uh, do the bridging studies to show that this is the more effective way to do it or the tool wouldn't work in a diagnostic platform. Part of what we built into our design was the ability to kind of go through that whole continuum. We can be very high content, meaning lots of biomarkers with lots of samples at the early stages. And as the focus gets closer and closer to clinic um, for, for a, a treatment or a disease, then we can also do high numbers of samples, but with a fewer number of uh, biomarkers without having to change platforms, staying on the same system. And I think that's going to be really important for, you know, uh, continuity for researchers as they move forward. So, yeah, because there was the plan that, uh, you know, Zevo was going to be launched as a biomarker discovery uh, system. So, you know, when it comes to sort of those plans, you know, where, where, you know, where are you? And, you know, 
what you know what what's the expectation so our expectation is that you know and and honestly the covid work is a biomarker in itself too um it is definitely something that's going on in the body um you know we're currently you know our main focus really was to launch this as a biomarker discovery system we've got the system out with early adopters we're continuing to build out researchers we're just going to be a little bit delayed on this as labs start to open up we'll get more and more users going through and then you know we're really pushing for a large 2021 where we can hopefully get out to different meetings and showcase the capabilities of Ziva um in the meantime we're doing you know all the things that um, has to happen now as a company. And, and I think that everyone's learning to discover, how do I reach customers? How do I reach those researchers and demonstrate the tool? And so it's been um, a big push on us as a company to figure out the new ways to do this going forward. And I think some of them are, are great. You know, the uh, necessity, you know, has driven us to, to find new ways to be innovative in terms of marketing and, and uh, figuring out ways to um, that are really outside of the way researchers and and companies like us have reached people in the past because it's been more personal and hand and face to face and stuff and so uh, finding ways to effectively do it with videos and demos and you know uh, being able to um, count on emails and other things and hopefully uh, being able to reach people I think we've found you know that just like everyone else that uh, this is going to be a new way to go forward and a lot of people like it. And, you know, this has got been incorporated into our plans, just like a lot of other companies have too. Yeah. So actually, I mean, so if you, so thinking about, you know, or, you know, reflecting on what has actually happened this year, what, what as a company or as, as a management team, are, are you doing differently um, that actually you think, you know, you, it's going to help you manage the company going forward. And actually it might even be new behaviors that you've introduced that actually may become more permanent. Yeah, I think, I think like a lot of folks, this has been an interesting experiment, not an experiment any of us all wanted. Right. But uh, um, you know, one of the, the things that always being a leader communication is key. And so, you know, um, being able to effectively communicate with a group that's not, um, all at the same place at the same time and figuring out how to use the uh, tools like we are today um, has been important. Um, definitely, we've identified critical areas that, you know, you need to have people well cross-trained because you don't know if people are going to be out of the office. And, and it's definitely highlighted areas uh, within our own kind of workflows and our things where you know, we've got to do a better job of making sure we have people cross-trained or that, you know, we're, we're inadequately staffed or other things. So I think that's been an uh, uh, interesting learning experience. And then, you know, I think the other side of this is that we did learn a lot, large group of our people that can work effectively from home and, and, act, and maybe even be even more effective because they're not uh, plagued with uh, the drop-in meetings and other things like that that happen in a, in a uh, bigger, you know, uh, work environment. Um, I think that's been interesting to learn. And so I think we're trying to find ways now to facilitate that and say, hey, you know, I think this has worked out pretty well. Um, there's, I think there's the other side of it. And I think a lot of companies are seeing that too, the ability to not have everyone there. And, you know, part of being an innovative company is a lot of those side conversations and a lot of those, uh, you know, let's go throw it and draw on the wall and figure out if that's going to work in ideas. Um, 
as an early startup company or a company trying to deliver, those conversations are important. And I think finding that balance of how do we still have those and use tools like you know Zoom and, and uh, video conferences and other things to make sure that we're getting the right people in the conversation. I think one of the tougher things I've seen, and it's something that we, we've tried to um, minimize is that you have a lot of repeat conversations because yeah, you can't just go and grab someone out of their office and say, hey, let's go sit and talk about this. Um, you may have to schedule it and you may have to make sure that you have the tools there and stuff. So I think it's been interesting in terms of finding ways that we're going to have to, um, definitely areas where we're gonna be able to take advantage of some of the things we've learned and things where we know, boy, you know, we just have to be better at how we do these. And, and I think that's a lot of people are finding that out as they kind of move forward. Um, being a small company, um, you really depend on your people and our people have been great. Um, that we, you know, we're committed to delivering this technology and um, with the challenge, I think we've all risen to it. Um, and I've been pretty excited about, you know, where as a company we have done. And I think, uh, you know, it, it, in terms of thinking about the future, I know with the group I have, you know, we're going to be able to meet a lot of these challenges and feel like, uh, you know, we've been battle tested as much as anyone now too. So this has uh, been a learning experience. Um, it's also been something where you find the best in people. And that's kind of where I feel is that we found the best. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's interesting what you say. In some of the other conversations I've had with, with, with business leaders, um, it's clear that a lot of the activity, and, and we've seen it in terms of you know, the fact that companies have been able to raise you know, record sums of money, but it's clear that a lot of that activity actually already existed pre-pandemic. There were relationships that were already there. And you know, therefore, it's, I think, easy for people to have this attraction for you know, having additional conversations. But when you're looking to you know, create new relationships, uh, not having those you know, sort of business you know, trade shows, etc., that's you know, potentially more of a challenge. Is there anything sort of specific you're going to be able to do to... Uh, you know, ensure that you, you know, sort of meet new people and have, you know, a, 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 an alternative to these sort of you know, accidental or unexpected collisions that you would have had at those, those uh, you know, big industry meetings? You know, I think the thing we've learned is that we've got to use, and as much as like LinkedIn and other things are um, tools for, for expanding your networking, um, I think that's paper networking, right? And a lot of silico, you know, uh, networking. I think the thing that I've learned is that I've, from the past uh, relationships I've had with people and worked with people, it's more of effective calling those people and reaching out and saying, hey, we have an interesting tool. We're looking for developers. Can I expand into your network? Is there someone that you can think of that might be able to help us or we might be able to work together? And so, that thing, that time of, I think what I've learned in terms of my style now has been, boy, you know, LinkedIn is great. I can, you know, in the past, you used LinkedIn to hopefully build up all your network and connections, but it's actually utilizing it now, right? And utilizing it in terms of um, sending an email or anything, I, I think uh, very much like email and stuff, it gets drowned out a little bit. We took that for granted in terms of, so, um, 
you know, the personal connections that we had prior to this are things that you lean on. You go back to the people that you've worked with in the past that know you. Um, and then you ask them to, you know, look into their networks and um, kind of dig and find people that, you know, you're going to be able to work with or work together. I think that part of it in terms of I'm just not a LinkedIn connection. I'm actually going to call you and we're going to have a relationship and a conversation. And, you know, those things are seem to be even more important to me now is that um, the past relationships I've had not to take for granted because something like this um, kind of draws it into a need and a desire, you know, a, an opportunity and something where staying well connected doesn't just mean a LinkedIn or an email. It means, you know, reaching out and having that human contact, whether it's a voice or conversation um, can really help propel a business. And so, you know, really drawing on a lot of our team's past and reaching out to those connections, um, finding out how they're doing, you know, how are you doing through all this? Um, you know, how can I help you? Um, and then vice versa. And so I, I'm hopeful that uh, the idea of that this is a research community, that it's a community of scientists and other things, that we actually use that word community and effectively and reach out. And hopefully that will help propel a lot of these advances that are happening because of this, you know, people are being very innovative, working hard in the labs, hopefully coming up with new solutions, and then they're going to be able to use their networks in a different way, in a better way to reach out and get there. Um, yeah, if anything, is, uh, maybe, it makes, maybe it makes these conferences and, and other things even more effective. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think you make a really good point there about, you know, sort of not just sort of uh, having a passive relationship with those networks, but actually sort of you know, leveraging the, the sort of the value and the power of them. So, yeah, that's um, a, that's an excellent point. So, so Brian, <clears throat> thanks very much for for, for, for taking the time to uh, to talk to me today. Um, I'm, I'm sure the the, the journey uh, that you shared with us is going to resonate with a, a lot of our audience. So, um, so if after listening to uh, this. This conversations in healthcare you'd like to listen to uh, future uh, episodes why not uh, follow our LinkedIn uh, page uh, which you know, Brian w w was, was already talking about because that's where we uh, put out announcements for you know future uh, episodes of in, in this series so in closing I, I'd like to thank uh, Brian again for, for, for joining me and I'd like to thank the listeners for, for, for tuning in uh, so until next time, stay safe and healthy. I'm Mike Ward, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.